0: Welcome to Family Law Talk, presented by Kirk Stangey of Stingy Law Firm, PC. Stangey Law Firm is a family law firm in the St. Louis metro area, with offices in Missouri and Illinois. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stange. Welcome to Family Law Talk. My name is Kirk Stenge, and I am one of the partners of Stenge Law Firm, which is a family law firm with multiple offices in Missouri and Illinois, all in or around the St. Louis metropolitan area. Well, welcome today to Family Law Talk with Stengy Law Firm. We've got an interesting topic today. The topic is five helpful tips for child custody cases. Uh, this is based on an article on our blog, FamerLawHeadquarters.com. It's a really interesting topic and an interesting article. It goes through five good tips uh, that are useful in, uh, in a lot of cases for those of you going through a child custody case. We'll get to that topic here in just a second. But before we do, I should state, as I always do, that the choice of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements and that the information you obtain today in this episode is general in nature and it may not apply to specific factual or legal circumstance. Therefore, if you need legal advice, you should definitely consult and hire an attorney who is licensed and competent to practice law in your specific jurisdiction. All that said, let's get to the topic. Again, the topic is five helpful tips for child custody cases. And again, this is based on an article on FamilyLawHeadquarters.com. And so at the conclusion of this episode, you can go to that web page, or you can click the link uh, below this episode if you're on Black Talk Radio itself, and you can get a direct link uh, to the article itself. And the article will be a good follow-up. Uh, to to uh, today's topic and uh, give you a little bit infor- a little bit more information uh, as well. So let's kind of go through this again. Every custody case is different, and there's no uh, uniform rules that w- would apply to every specific case out there. Uh, so so obviously, you know, different cases, different kids call for for different uh, circumstances, and obviously each jurisdiction can uh, can be a little bit different and can have some different nuances to it. But I just wanted to go through five kind of general tips uh, that are helpful in a lot of cases out there uh, and are things that regularly come up at our firm in terms of cases. uh, And uh, it's just, I think, good overall advice. So let's kind of go through these five things. The first one is make sure you make a good impression with the guardian ad litem. Um, In a custody case, uh, if abuse and neglect is uh, alleged, uh... here in missouri here in illinois guardian ad litem would typically be appointed uh... by statute and what the guardian ad litem's role is to be uh... really an advocate for your kids um, and they're kind of the eyes and ears of the court they're in a quasi-judicial capacity and so their job is to investigate uh, get information uh... make recommendations to the court and ensure that the well-being of the kids is ultimately uh... protected so that's kind of their role uh, an analogy I've used for a long period of time, which I would just state is not technically correct. Okay, so this is more kind of a metaphor, if you will. Uh, maybe it'll give you a little different frame of reference in terms of how to typically think of this. But uh, if the if the judge, in a familiar case, is the president, think vice judge in terms of the guardian ad litem. Um, you know, the role of that guardian ad litem is pretty critical and pretty crucial. And while um, the judge doesn't have to do what the guardian ad litem uh, recommends, and in fact could do something completely different if the judge feels it's, a, it's appropriate uh, in a family law case. Uh, you know, But that said, most judges uh, at least give a lot of consideration to the guardian ad litem's recommendation, and I'd say all things being equal, most judges will tend to go in a similar direction as the guardian ad litem, and in a lot of cases they might do exactly what the guardian ad litem recommended, and so you know if you're trying to get a good uh result in a custody case it's just i think it's it's pretty good advice pretty common advice in most cases uh to make a good impression with the guardian ad litem if at all possible and you're certainly in a much better position if you do that uh than if you're trying uh to get the judge to somehow go against the guardian ad litem's recommendation that does happen in some cases i've seen it happen in some cases um Uh, but you know generally speaking if you're trying to get the judge to, to deviate from the guardian of items recommendation i mean you're swimming upstream and it's an uphill climb in most cases and so much better to get that guardian on your side if at all possible so in terms of how how you do that well i mean there's tons of tips and frankly um you know we could do a whole episode on that topic uh so we're just scraping the surface here today but uh one of the most important things I think a party can do is once a guardian ad litem has been appointed, it's useful to reach out to the guardian ad litem to set an appointment with them. And it's better to do that as soon as possible uh, because I think, one, it shows a lot of interest in the case. It shows that you care. Uh, it shows uh, that you're interested in being a parent and making a good impression with the guardian ad litem. And I just think it sends all the right messages. So, you know, I mean, uh uh, don't overdo it. I mean, don't call the guardian 10 times to try to set up an appointment. I mean, reach out to that guardian litem one time, uh, you know, call the office, try to make an appointment, and get in there as soon as you can. And then when you get in there, obviously, you know, it's useful to explain your position in terms of what you think is in the best interest of your kids. And obviously, you want to go there and answer the guardian ad litem's questions because they, you know, obviously, they're going to have a lot of questions and they're going to be seeking specific information. So you want to go there you know, answering their questions and, and explaining your your position the best uh, that you can, and those are two simple tips. Also, if you were ordered to pay guardian ad litem fees, uh, it's very useful to pay. Uh, obviously, that sends all the right messages. It shows uh, that you care about the case, that you know that the guardian's time is valuable, um, and, and it just shows a level of responsibility and caring about the situation, which has. Uh, a pretty big effect in terms of the guardian's perception of you. You know, on the flip end, if you're ordered to pay guardian of fees, you don't pay it, you know, you don't set a quick appointment, um, I mean, what's a guardian ad litem to think? I mean, you're not trying to come in, uh, you're not making the guardian ad litem deposit. I mean, that sends the opposite message that this obviously isn't very important to you. It certainly doesn't appear as if it's a, a priority. So, uh, those are two really simple things. Uh, and then I would state that this as well. Uh, I mean, your overall frame should be what's in the best interest of your kids. That should be at the forefront of uh, your your concerns in terms of how you address issues with regard to item versus uh, showing that you're you're theoretically in a you know more caught up in the fight between yourself and the other parent. Uh, if it delves into that territory, that often is not good in terms of uh, the guardian ad perception of you. So, obviously, if you're asked direct questions about what you think about, uh, you know, what the pros and the cons of the other parent would be, you've got to answer those questions, but just be classy about it. Um, you know, don't come off like that, uh, that, that in essence your goal is to sort of trash your axe kind of drag them through the mud, that, that generally speaking is not, is not a good way to go in that meeting with the guardian ad litem. So that is number one of on the list of things that we have. Uh, number two, we have comply with court orders. Uh, lots of times in custody cases, the court, you know, what they, what they set forth is uh, temporary custody orders. So while the, the case is pending, albeit a divorce or paternity case, uh, the court uh, will typically set a temporary custody schedule in place. And, and, you know, orders for child support and maintenance oftentimes get ordered as well because what the court's trying to do is while that case is pending, just make sure things are being taken care of. You know, there's a temporary custody order put in place. Uh, there's financial orders put in place to make sure the kids are protected and bills are being paid, and, and that ensures that the marital estate is preserved if it's a divorce case as well. But what happens in a lot of cases is a temporary custody order or support order gets entered and the client doesn't like it. You know, they don't, they're not happy about the temporary custody order. They're not happy about how child support or maintenance shook out. And unfortunately, what some parties do then is they don't comply with that court order, uh, which, you know, can make a situation that client views as bad worse. So, you know, if you don't pay the child support or the maintenance you're paid, uh, that's not helpful in terms of, trying to adjust it for the final order in a way that maybe makes you more happier in a way that that you think is more fair for the situation. So you've just got to comply with that court order. And same with custody. A lot of times, you know, one party or the other is not happy with the temporary custody order put in place. And so what do they do? They do little things like bringing the kids back late, uh, not complying, you know, with the order. If there's an exchange location, uh, you know, they don't show up to that exchange location. Uh, I mean, they just try to kind of circumvent uh, the order in one way or the other because they don't like it. Uh, but if you do that, uh, that does not make a good impression with the court. So if you're looking for a better results, so if it's a custody order and you want more time with your than you have now, uh, it's not helpful if you didn't comply with the current order. Or if you don't like the exchange location and you want the judge to tweak that or amend it to some other place, it's not helpful if he didn't comply with that original court order. If you do that in a lot of cases, uh, I mean, you're just done. I mean, your credibility shot uh, to the court and to the judge. And so, you know, you're much better on a temporary custody order to just simply, you know, if you don't like the order, swallow it, uh, but deal with it. Uh, and, and then ultimately, if you come to the court and you say, Judge, you know, I did – I did your order on custody and support and maintenance throughout this whole case, but I'm asking for some amendments to it or some changes to it. Uh, Generally speaking, you're much more likely to have a better outcome in terms of that request if you comply with the court's order than if you didn't. Uh, So that is number two on the list of five helpful tips. Uh, Number three is avoid a bar fight mentality, which is a term I have personally been using a long time with my clients uh, which is this, I mean, a lot of parties, you know, they have this mentality, kind of like people at a bar, where if there's a fight, you know, they're going to jump into it, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be super aggressive, uh, uh, they'll be, you know, hostile, uh, I mean, really just kind of a bully, if you will, uh it, uh through the court process, and they think that somehow that's going to help the case. I mean, it's the tantrum behavior, you know, it's sending hostile communications, it's not complying with court orders to try to be difficult and wear the other party down. You know, bar fight mentality can involve name-calling or just simply being disrespectful and rude, if you will. And uh, if any of this behavior becomes evident to a judge, it can be fatal to custody cases The truth. I mean, what judges are looking for uh, in terms of cussing orders, is kind of a steady maturity, if you will. You know, a rational person, a person who's able to put their kid's interest above their own in, in this steadiness. Again, I like that term steady, and the term maturity is a good thing. And so, you know, if you get into this bar fight mentality of being mean, aggressive, tantrum behavior, uh, it's not a good thing, not helpful to a case. And so... It's definitely something you don't want to do. And on the other hand, whenever I say this, a lot of parties take it the wrong way, and they think what we're saying is to be weak and be passive, and that's not what we're saying at all. I think you can still be bold in terms of how you present your case. You can be bold in terms of the way you work up the case and, and file pleadings. You can also be thorough. So it's good to come into court to be prepared, have your ducks in a row, have evidence, have documents uh, to prove your claims and disprove uh, the other parents' claims. I mean, bold and thorough and assertive, you know those are all good things, but you can still do that by being respectful by complying with court orders, by being steady in terms of how you present yourself and being mature in terms of how you deal with a tough situation. So, uh, yeah, avoid bar fight mentality, but at the same time, bold, thorough, and assertive are definitely good qualities uh, to have, and and that's really where you should go, bold, thorough, and assertive, but in a respectful, steady, and mature manner. Uh, So that is number three. Uh, Number four on the list uh, just working down is don't put the kids in the middle. Uh, you know, there are, unfortunately, a lot of parties out there that have this belief that kids get to decide where they can live. Uh, from time to time we get these phone calls, um, e- either from A, clients, or B, potential clients, and their viewpoint is you know, the kids get to pick. And so based on this errant belief that the kids get to pick, it, it causes parties to do various different things, like say things, uh, about the other parent to the kids that aren't kind. could be prodding the kids about uh, how, you know, visits are going at the other, uh, uh, other parent's house and if there's a new significant other, what do you think about that person? And then, you know, criticism or critique uh, can be communicated to the kids, and that is not a good thing. Uh, worse yet, it can involve showing the kids court paperwork, unfortunately, uh, I've seen far too many cases where that takes place, where one party or the other decides to show the kids, you know, motion filed with the court or petition filed with the court. Uh, uh and that is not a helpful thing. It's terrible in fact. And I would just state, you know, if this ever becomes evident to a judge regarding the enlightenment of a custody case, it can really be a death wish to the case. Uh, it can be the deal breaker. And so, you know, if you're looking for a favorable custody result, this is definitely not the way to get there. And even apart from that, obviously, you should be worried about your kids and the short- and long-term effects on a custody case on them because, you know, kids, and we've written about this topic as well, uh, but kids carry a huge burden, um, a huge psychological burden when their parents get divorced, and uh, putting the kids in the middle just adds to it. So it's definitely something you don't want to do uh... in a custody case really for any reason and then five and lastly on our list is cooperate with your attorney um, it's really vital that you have an attorney that you trust uh... that you have an attorney who you think has your best wishes in mind uh... that's working for you uh... i mean that's just a vital thing and i get you know a lot of folks out there are skeptical of attorneys um, uh... You know, obviously, if you look at just rankings in terms of professions, I get that attorneys, you know, we're down there toward the bottom for the folks out there in terms of who people trust and who people respect. That's an unfortunate thing, but it's just the truth. And so, look, I mean, you need to have an attorney that you trust. Uh, Sometimes you see congressional polls, which is a pretty good analogy, and, you know, people's perception of Congress is generally not very good. Approval ratings, bad, but... Oddly enough, on the flip end, most people uh, reelect their own uh, Congress, uh, congressman or congresswoman. And so you know, the incumbents typically win, but yet the overall viewpoint of Congress is terrible. And I would just state this is, in terms of your attorney, I get that folks out there are skeptical of attorneys. Um, I mean, that's just the reality. It's unfortunate. You know, Obviously, I wish that perception would change. And I think most attorneys out there are good people. Uh, who honestly uh, are trying to do the very best that they can for their clients. I mean, that's what I believe. Uh, but in terms of uh, the folks out there, in terms of the attorney they hire, you know, even if you have an overall bad perception of attorneys for whatever reason, it's important that you like your attorney, just like some folks don't like Congress, but they like their congressperson. You need to like and trust your attorney and feel as if they're doing the very best job for you that they can. And, uh, and then you need to follow their advice. Now, if you, you know, if, you, if you're ever really concerned about the advice you're getting, you think it's incorrect or wrong, or you're just not sure about it, then obviously it's an important thing to have a candid kind of conversation with your attorney about that. You know, communicate with them uh, in a mature, steady way, to use that same phrase again, what your concern is, and hopefully they can uh, explain to you where they're coming from, and that will solve the situation. If not, you're not happy Uh, then it's important that you have an attorney you trust. And that could make all the difference because it's just hard to see a good outcome in a custody case where the attorney and the client are not on the same page uh, working together. That's a very, very difficult thing. And I just take this as a whole, too, which is, you know, a lot of folks out there, when they're going through a family law case, they talk to people. You know, you talk to friends, you talk to family members, maybe you talk to people who went through a custody case themselves, or worse yet, you spend a lot of time talking to your ex, who's actually the opposing party on your custody case. And what unfortunately happens in a lot of cases is people start listening to these friends, these family members, or their ex more than their attorney. And that oftentimes can be a poisonous thing because while some of these people, maybe not the ex, but maybe some of the other people actually have really good intentions and uh, they're trying to help you out, but the truth of the matter is they're armchair quarterbacking Uh, A lot of these folks aren't qualified to really be giving you legal advice in the first place. Second, they probably don't have all the facts. And so just be very careful in in terms of who you're listening to. Different cases uh, are in front of different judges, uh, oftentimes in different counties with different sets of facts and with different kids. And so, you know, while one friend or family member or person out there you know might have gone through a custody case, it doesn't mean – uh, that what they did in their case is really applicable to your case, and so be very careful about that. And again, if you have questions, if you're concerned about what your attorney's doing, have a candid conversation with them. Hopefully, that clears it up. You know, if it doesn't, and you're just not comfortable with your attorney, I mean, you need an attorney that you're comfortable with, uh, and, and and you need to follow that attorney's advice. If that's the attorney you've chosen, it's not a good thing. You know, if the if, you know if the attorney thinks one play is being called and you're running something different it's a problem, and ultimately that can have a big effect on the overall outcome of a custody case uh, because the whole approach, the whole strategy, uh, it's just not uniform, and that can, uh, that can be really confusing to the court and the guardian that item um, because it's hard to know where, the, you know where that client's coming from in terms of uh, the custody case itself. So uh, definitely an interesting topic. Again, you can go to Law uh read more about this topic, uh, the article again is five helpful tips for child custody cases. Uh, you can read about it on Family Law. Uh, read about it on Family Law Headquarters. Definitely an interesting topic. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Hopefully, you all found this topic uh, insightful. Stay tuned for our next episode on Family Law Talk with Stengy Law Firm. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stengy. Visit stangylawfirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today.